This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. That's my wingman, Trav Super Saiyan Konikowitz, and I'm Drew Baldy Morehouse. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. As always, we're here to talk about 80s and 90s media. How are you doing today, Trav? I'm doing really good, Drew. How are you doing? It's been really good. Uh, it's been really hot lately. Yes. So that's unfortunate, but uh, what are you going to do about it, right? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> So since our uh, topic of movie this afternoon uh, takes place in 1986, I decided to pull the best-selling video game of 86 and the top movie at the box office, May 16th, 1986. Uh, So top video game, Super Mario Brothers. I like it. Yeah, why not, right? Why not? uh, Looking at that information, uh, Super Mario Brothers was the top video game for a few years in a row, if I remember right. Sure. Um, And then top movie, May 16th, 1986, was... Top Gun. You're damn right. <laughs> Where else could that be besides number one? Um, do you uh, want to share your overall impressions of the movie with me, please? Drew, I loved this movie beyond belief <laughs> <laughs> to the point where it's life-changing. And I wouldn't say life-changing in the sense that I'm trying to go be a pilot, but it is for sure one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm not ready to put it in a top 10. <laughs> It might sneak into a top 25. Respectable. But it is for sure in my top 10 first watch experiences with the movie. I was literally just like so enamored with this movie the first (laughs) time I watched it. I love it so much. That's awesome. That's about as positive as a response to a homework assignment as you can get. Seriously. (laughs) I, I just couldn't help but think this is the whole point of this podcast is to see movies that are this amazing that somehow people haven't seen, (laughs) including myself. (laughs) So I'm very happy that you assigned this as Uh, the homework assignment. That's awesome. I uh, fell in love with this movie all over again. Um, It is kind of the summer of Top Gun, and that's one of the reasons why we decided to do this uh, episode. Mm -hmm. So comparing it to the new movie, I'm not even going to try to do because that's not what this podcast is about. But watching this movie for the first time in a number of years and then rewatching it subsequently, I think I watched it three times. I fell in love with this movie all over again, and it's going to be in a steady rotation for me. I will be oh, watching this movie occasionally. 100%. I, I want to watch it again already, but Lauren's behind. She still needs to watch Batman and Robin, so we got <laughs> a little work to do, but I'm I'm excited to watch it again already. You'll get your chance at least, right? Yes, definitely. It, even Kristen said that she'd like to watch it again with me, so that's, nice. a, that's a thumbs up from me. Um, before we do get into that homework review, I just want to say... Uh, Links to all the sources in the production of this podcast will be included in the show notes. So let's move on over to that homework review. Let's do it. Top Gun, May 16th, 1986. Um, As we discussed before, it was directed by Tony Scott. He died in August 19th, 2012. Um, It was produced by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. So can I talk about kind of how this movie got made? Let's do it. All right. So from a uh, great article on Den of Geek called Top Gun, uh, How a Single Flight Changed the Course of the Movie, written by Don Kay, Um, we will find out shortly that Jack Epps is the driving force behind this whole thing and why it exists. Um, Jack Epps Jr. was asked to write the script in the mid-80s. This man already had his uh, private pilot license, um, and so he thought it would be fun, a really fun movie to do. 
and he figured he'd at least get a jet ride out of the deal, right? Yeah. So, I mean, why not? If you're a private pilot and you want to be able to go up in some of the fastest machines in the world, that's a, a good reason to even entertain the idea. Yeah. Um, Epps and his writing partner, Jim Cash, they were working on Dick Tracy um, when Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was head at Paramount at the time, wanted another movie from the writing duo because he was such a big fan of Dick Tracy. So Katzenberg had a meeting with Epps and Cash, and he pitched them six ideas. And uh, that was Katzenberg. He pitched them six ideas, and one of them was Top Gun. Epps and Cash used top, the Top Guns article from California Magazine only as a launch pad. We talked about that magazine briefly and how it was, you know, a story about these pilots in Miramar, uh, Florida. Um, <clears throat> California, right? Yeah, California, excuse me. Uh, they saw that there was a lot of room to expand in the story because the original article basically said that there's a pilot school called Top Gun. The pilots are cool and they have fun flying jets. So, I mean, <laughs> that leaves a lot of room for expansion for right, this movie. Right. You could basically write whatever you wanted to do around this idea of this Top Gun uh, flight school. Uh, so Epps had a meeting with uh, Bruckheimer and Simpson and... He said the only way, Epps said, the only way that this movie can get made is if they actually get to use real planes. And if that couldn't be done, Epps was out. Um, Bruckheimer and Simpson, they both agreed. Like, that's the only way this movie could be made is if you had access to the real jets. Right? I mean, that's the only way that this movie could be made. So old Brucky and Simps got the lobbyists from uh, the Motion Picture Academy to get a meeting with the top Navy brass. And the lobbyists managed to convince the Navy to go along with the movie's production. The Navy had a condition, though. Epps had to fly in a jet. Perfect. <laughs> so that's what he wants. <laughs> luckily, that's exactly what he wanted to do. Uh, Epps, on a side note, actually had to go through, well, got to go through some of the same training that the pilots went through. That included swimming out of a submerged helicopter with a heavy pack on. No thanks. Yeah, no thanks is no correct. No thanks. Um, Epps also interviewed pilots and the radar intercept officers for real personal stories. Um no actual flight time in the F-14 Tomcat, which is the, the plane of subject in Top Gun. Um, it was a classified aircraft at the time. He didn't even get to look in the cockpit. Oh, so okay. it's a, it was a big deal at the time. You know, top of the line, best fighter in the world, at least best Navy fighter in the world, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Epps flew with a few pilots named Boomer in Hollywood. Epps said that the pilots, while they were in the air, they said, this is a direct quote from the article, we're not supposed to do this. Then they did a bunch of close passes and rollovers and dogfighting while pulling six, seven, eight Gs. Like, That's so that cool. is pretty in- incredible. And Epps said that they had a blast. Uh, after the script was completed and dropped off with old Brucky, Epps said that he wants uh, Bruckenheimer, to th- Bruckheimer to think of Tom Cruise while he reads it. Epps said that he and uh, Cash wrote the movie with Cruise in mind. So that was the whole... Tom Cruise was their guy from the beginning. Like... Before anything was decided, he yep, just he's just like, you're going to have to go get Tom Cruise. You're gonna I don't have care to. how much it costs. <laughs> right. It's Tom Cruise or bust. And he was a really, uh, he was a rising star at the time, Cruise yeah. was. He had actually just finished uh, doing a movie called Legend. Okay. You remember, yeah. Have you ever seen that nope. one? It's a pretty good movie. It's a fantasy movie about, um, I don't know, this elfin guy who Cruise plays in this like uh, battle with the devil. It's a pretty cool movie. Oh, nice. uh, um, so two days later after they... Uh, talked with uh, uh, Bruckenheimer and uh, Simpson. Uh, Don Simpson called Epps and said, I will kill to get this movie made. So it <laughs> seems like it's, you know, the ball is easily uh, rolling on it. Yeah. Uh, the next steps were to get Tom Cruise to actually do the movie. At first, Cruise said he, he didn't get it. 
He just didn't really get the whole thing about it. What? I guess. I mean, whatever. I guess. So old Brunky, uh, Brucky said, uh, "Why don't you have? Uh, why don't you have Tom go take a flight?" So that probably sealed the deal. <laughs> probably did. So that's what they did. And the pilots gave Tom a, the ride of his life. Apparently, he threw up all over the plane, <laughs> according to Epps. So. Uh, Epps says that uh, Cruz got out of the plane and said, I love this. I've got to do this. That's pretty funny. After barfing up there, (laughs) I love that. Right. And even in that article, I think Epps even alludes to the fact that Top Gun is the reason why uh, uh, Cruz became such like a speed freak about everything. Oh, I'm sure. So um, the rest is cinematic magic, cinematic history. And we have Top Gun. Um, Let's talk briefly about the video game. We spent some time with it, so it was 1987's uh, Top Gun for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And I said before, it's famously hard. It is famously hard. It's really hard. Uh, yeah, I I did not do so hot. No, I neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- to clear up any uh, uh, confusion from the last episode, I do own it. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> we played it, and it's hard. Um, it it's, seems like a pretty ambitious game for the NES, right? Definitely. Um, the whole idea of flying through space in a nearly three-dimensional environment um, while things are coming at you, going past you, all that stuff is it, it cool. It was innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, landing is nearly impossible. I told you I did it by myself, and I don't know if you believe me, but I, I did I, do it. I did believe you, but <laughs> neither of us were able to recreate that. So No, no, not at all. So. There's tons of copies of that game out there if you didn't manage to play it before this podcast. And I know for a fact it's on emulation. And I believe at one point it was on the Switch uh, NES Marketplace. Oh, wow. So I don't know if it's on there anymore. I haven't been on that in quite a while. So are we ready to go scene by scene? Oh, we're ready. All right. So in that opening sequence, I absolutely love the music oh man it danger zone right away <laughs> i love it so much absolutely love love it you know they're running around uh, well we get to see basically and there's a text that opens up the movie and we get to see what top gun's about why they're doing it and that's your premise of the movie right that's yeah. in a in a in a hand right there in a basket there for you that's what's going to go on in this movie basically um the, all that action on the aircraft carrier in the opening is very powerful and very impressive, wasn't very, it? Yeah. It seemed highly dangerous, yeah. very exciting. Yeah. Like these guys are living on the edge, even if you're just working on the deck of that yeah, ship. Like seriously. you're just living on the edge. Um, danger zone hits, like you said, and uh, the planes are taking off and landing, and it's all the time. Right into the danger zone. Or that song is a theme in this movie, and it's very appropriate. Yes. Uh, quickly, we get to go right into the very first con- conflict. If you're going to open up a movie that's about fighter pilots, they should probably be engaging in some sort of fighter pilot action immediately. Yes. <laughs> and it's so good. And I had I wrote down, how genius was it in this movie to do that right away and just pound the character names into your head? Yes. Right away. Yes. You know Cougar, Merlin, Maverick. Yep. And Goose. And Goose. Right away. Right away. Boom. Between it being on their helmets and them constantly talking to each other. I just thought that was really genius. Like there's no confusion in the beginning. No. And they all have their distinct helmets, so it's very easy to identify them at any point in the movie. Right. Um so like you said, Cougar and Merlin and Goose and Maverick are already in the air and they're gonna go check out a, a situation. And Commander Tom Stinger Jardan is not very pleased that Maverick is up in the air. And that's another theme in this uh, in this movie. Yep. Um, Maverick is not trusted uh, as far as anybody can throw him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, 
at first in this air battle, they're unsure of uh, how many MIGs they're in the air, but they confirm that there is two. It's a pretty stressful encounter right away. Really get your blood pumping right away in the beginning of the movie. Um, Maverick goes for a missile lock. He locks up MIG number. He locks him up, and MIG number two is headed home. Yep. That's all it took was uh, just locking him up with that radar. Um, the the first MIG though. It locks up Cougar, and yes. Cougar does not handle it well. He does not handle it. No, well. he does not handle He's it. He's ready all. to throw in the towel. Um, so Maverick is in there being a true Maverick and getting right in there, and he's yep. in there to save the day, help Cougar and Merlin out. Um, Mav does one of the more implausible things I think you can do in an airplane, and it right. becomes his signature move. But uh, he uh, he moves directly above the Mig and inverts and yeah. gets within a meter and yep. gives them the finger gives them the finger and then they take a good old polaroid uh, which that polaroid if he actually the flash was on so that that polaroid would have turned out as a picture of themselves reflected in the canopy right? yeah yeah exactly would <laughs> they would have developed that and been like oh it didn't get anything yeah but they pretend like oh i got a polaroid of it but no that didn't happen um they do talk in the rest of the movie as if it's been completely confirmed and documented because everybody's right. like oh oh you you did that oh yeah. i read about that yeah it's classified <laughs> mig one is bugging out yep um, but yeah, Cougar, like we said, he can't handle the pressure. Uh, so miraculously, Maverick and Goose guide Cougar back in. Um, they're both on fumes. It's yeah. a super stressful and that's uh, situation. After landing first, yeah, he like, lands and just takes right back up. Takes and right goes back off up after him. Yeah. Um, they manage to get uh, Cougar and Merlin back down on that deck. They land pretty hard, and guess what? Cougar quits. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say that when Cougar is stressed out and ready to seemingly throw in the towel and give up on life mm -hmm. playing the game before watching this did not help because <laughs> i thought for sure he was going to crash because we crashed so much trying to land on this thing i'm like yep right. he's done for sure but he survived yeah i'm not a naval airman by any means uh, but i think if uh, somebody that has experience in that situation and the way that plane was coming in all over the place. Oh my god! I bet you he would have had, in actuality, a very, very small percentage chance of successfully landing on the right, aircraft carrier. Right. But he did it. Thanks, movie magic. Yep. Uh, but we see Cougar in Jardan's office, and he says that, my wife and kids, man, I'm holding on too tight. Yep. I lost the edge, and he tosses his wings in, and he quits. It's crazy. Good news for Goose and Maverick, because... Uh, uh, Jardan is not uh, very happy, but he's going to have to send them to Top Gun school because Cougar was number one and they were number two. And now they're number one, you know? Right, right. Um, Jardan even says, what you should have done is land that plane. You don't own that plane. The taxpayers <laughs> pay for that. <laughs> he also says that he's uh, that Maverick is one uh, hell of an instinctual pilot, maybe too good. Mm -hmm. So I guess he's got some respect for Maverick's just skills in general, so. Um, so can you clarify to me these planes that they're up in the air with? Mm -hmm. Are they like enemies scouting something out? I'm kind of confused as to what they are because they didn't try to shoot them. No. Um, and it's the same enemies throughout the whole movie. Right. Um, so in 1986, we're still Cold War. So Russia was still the USSR. And I think that they're supposed to be Russians. Okay. And uh, I don't, you know, in actuality where the Iron Curtain is, it's not terribly far from the indian ocean okay so i believe it's supposed to be russians they never say russia or anything like right, that they right. just say migs and the mig is a russian aircraft that okay. was developed by them 
So I think it's supposed to be Russia. I didn't look it, and I was even debated on even talking about it, but I'm pretty sure it's Russia. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're headed over to Miramar, so that's pretty exciting. We get to see Fighter Town, USA, and it opens up with Maverick and his iconic motorcycle ride down the runway, yeah. right? You've seen that a million times. I've seen that before. <laughs> I like it, though, because you can just, like, feel the excitement coming yeah. off of him. Like, he is genuinely like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm here, like. And it's so important that that's the second time we get Danger Zone in the movie already. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it every time. <laughs> I wrote, you did not just hit me with Danger Zone twice. <laughs> they did. They did. They're like, Danger Zone? You're getting it again. Danger yeah. Zone. Um, they're quickly then. They're in, the, they're in the classroom now. And all the pilots are there. They're all kind of sizing each other up. You know, it's the first time we get to see Iceman. Um, there's that odd hard on joke, which there was some, it was very weird. I didn't quite grasp I didn't, it. I, I didn't like, get it either. That's very odd. That was just weird, but whatever. We'll move on past that. Um, we also get a breakdown of what Top Gun really is from Viper, played Viper. by Tom Skerritt. I'm a fan of Tom Skerritt. He's good. Um, he tells us everything that it's about. And in that scene, they do a really good job of shooting it and making you feel like you're in the classroom, like you're oh, about definitely. ready to go through this with them. Yes. Uh, which I really appreciate out of that. And you kind of get the sense of, who this competition's really going to be yeah. between. Like, yeah, the room is full, but it's between Maverick and Iceman. There's really, there's nobody else. It's no. going to be one of those two. You already know right in the beginning. I like that moment between Maverick and Viper when uh, Maverick is talking to Goose and he says, well, I want to know who's the best. Right. And then immediately Viper goes, well, if, if you you're wondering who the best is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And he says, do you think your name will be on that plaque? Yes, sir, I do. Maverick's arrogance certainly comes through in that scene, and it's not the last time. Yep. He says uh, he likes that arrogance. He does say that. He, he compliments him on that arrogance. Um, now, right after that, we're headed to the bar. They got to go get some R&R. Got to go relax, right? Yep. Um, the line in the beginning uh, when Maverick goes, uh, this is what I call a target-rich environment. <laughs> yep, yep. The lines like that in this movie are super cheesy, but they work. Yeah, they They're do. entertaining and they're funny, and it really speaks to probably a lot of how these people actually were. Right. Um, and what does he say? Goose, even you might be able to find <laughs> someone here. Yeah. I'm just looking for someone who's willing to talk dirty to me. I think <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> Um, we do get the rundown from uh, Goose that Iceman is the best. Yeah. Uh, and so if you didn't already know. If you didn't already know, if you didn't understand that, Iceman is the best. Um, there's immediate conflict between Maverick and Iceman. Um, really sets up the tension for the rest of the movie and yep. sets the tone that Iceman is not a fan of Maverick. And yeah. I think the feeling is definitely mutual. And he says, you know, this is Iceman. He's cool as ice up there. Like, he doesn't make mistakes. So not that Maverick makes mistakes, but you can tell that they're polar opposite pilots. Yeah. He's better safe than sorry. And Maverick's trying to show off anytime he can. Caution but, to the wind. Yep. Um, we get to see kind of a, it's a weird premise. The $20 bet about banging somebody in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, all oh, right, that's where this is going, yeah, huh? Yeah, <laughs> went there. Okay. <laughs> but then we get the net, one of the next most famous, more famous uh, scenes in this movie, the we've, You've Lost That Love and Feeling song, uh, scene. Yep. Um, neither Goose or Maverick can sing. Yeah. Neither of them can actually sing. At all. Uh, whatsoever. But uh, they're singing to our new character that has walked in. 
Um, everybody in the whole bar joins and it works. It does work. It works. So um, she says, uh, sit down. I'm Charlotte Blackwood. Yeah. (laughs) They have some some and sexually uh, intense uh, back and forth and uh, Maverick and uh, Charlotte together in there. You can tell that they're already working out their chemistry in the movie. Oh, yeah. It already seems like sparks are flying, so I like that about that. But uh, she does reject him. Uh, My friends are here. Yeah. (laughs) Don't quit your day job, basically. Don't quit your day job. Um, but then we get to see the creep charts or the creep factor go off the charts here. She gets up to go to the bathroom and what does Maverick do? He follows her (laughs) in there. I I honestly couldn't believe that was happening and there's nobody else in there. So, I mean, he lucked out in that sense, but she's not weirded out at all. No. That he came came in there. Well, she even says, was it a long cruise sailor? Yeah. (laughs) Like what? She rejects him uh, again, uh, basically calling him a mistake waiting to happen. Yeah. Which it's the way this is going. It seems like he's definitely a mistake waiting to happen. Definitely. Um, the next day we're back at that uh, Top Gun flight school. Yep. Guess who's there? Charlotte's there. Charlotte's there. <laughs> no way. Charlotte. Codename Charlie. Charlie. That, I think they only call her Charlie like maybe once or twice more in the movie. I wish yeah. they would have called her Charlie more often. Um, Maverick, he puts his sunglasses on. He's riding low in his chair. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't but, mind me. But his arrogance comes through again, and he tells the story of how they were inverted over the MIG in the opening sequence, and then Charlotte understands. <laughs> <Holy who laughs> <laughs> That's what Iceman said. <laughs> That's so. what he said. Uh, Charlotte then understands who Maverick is for real, and uh, she has a newfound interest in him. And Maverick and his newfound interest in Maverick and his now famous stunt he pulled with the MIG. But uh, Maverick, being kind of petty, sees this as the chance to get back at her and basically says, uh, you have security clearance. You can read about it, (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty funny. Yeah, I like that. Uh, That's pretty good. But now we get into some action, which is much needed. Like I said in the last podcast, it's acting, flying, acting, flying. We are now on flying. Yep. The first hop. Uh, Those... uh, those like voiceovers by Michael Ironsides. I love those voices yeah. when he's talking about like their standings and stuff in mm-hmm. the, in the class. Uh, the flying, like I said, the flying sequences are what this movie's all about. It's what I want to see. They're always exciting. No matter what, I just so can intense. watch them and watch them and watch them. Yeah. Uh, the clock is ticking, and as of now, we're keeping score. Yep. That's my best Ironsides impression. <laughs> um, we get Jester, which is Ironsides. Jester versus uh, Maverick and Goose. Uh, Jester's hot on his tail. Maverick says, Goose, I've had enough of this ass, and I'm going to hit the brakes, and he'll fly right by, yeah. which is a signature move, another signature move of his, I yeah. guess. And I'm glad it worked, because seeing it the first time, I thought, no way, this is going <laughs> to work. It's going <laughs> to crash and burn for him, and he's going to look like a dope, but it actually worked, and it, it was awesome. Totally works for him, and now they're in the attacking position, and both planes are headed hard or fast for the hard deck. Yep. Uh, the whole hard deck thing in this movie, I have a big problem with, because it's not they're not supposed to be below 10,000 feet, Right. but there's numerous training sequences where they're flying through mountains, yeah. you know, and they're yeah. like uh, less than a thousand feet off the ground. Right. So it would have been nice if they would have said the hard deck's been moved to 500 feet for this one or something right. like something. this to make it a little bit more plausible. And I didn't notice that on the first uh, run through, but when I watched it this morning, I was definitely like, they're so angry about this hard deck, but they don't like keep very much track of it and no, the rest of no. the hops that they do. Exactly. Um, but he gets him down there. He's chasing Maverick's chasing Jester. He locks him up, gets good tone on him, but it's below the hard deck. 
Um, so, you know, at the, according to some people, it may not count, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I think they got him, right? Yeah, it counted. Um, and then we get another cool, uh, cool scene. Tower, this is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. Negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ignoring that. <laughs> <laughs> and that dude gets coffee spilled all over him, and later on, he wants some butts. Yeah. <laughs> So I wrote down too. I thought it was funny that this movie is PG. I don't think this movie would be PG nowadays because when he flies by and the guy that spills coffee goes, "God, son of a." I know, right? How and, uh, is that PG? How yeah. is that PG? Eighty-six PG. 80, I guess. So I was thinking about that also, and there is a movie that's attributed with the PG thirteen rating being invented for. So it must have been released. After this after movie. After this, yeah. Because the S-words are flying in this one. S-words are flying. There's some heavy make-out sessions. Heavy and... make-out <laughs> sessions. So, yeah. PG, not so much. No. No, not so much. Uh, we got all our pilots back on the ground now. And then we're in the locker room. And you find that Iceman and his co-pilot uh, also got Jester. Uh, Iceman does not like Maverick style. That's definitely been established now. Um, and guess what? Maverick and Goose are about to go get reamed out, which is a theme. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Viper does not care why Maverick followed Jester below the hard deck. Uh, you broke a major rule of engagement, uh, and you broke another one with that flyby. Obey the rules, or you are history. So Tom Skerritt's laying it down, that's for sure. Yep. Um, this is the first time where we see that Goose is not happy with Maverick also. Right. Either. Um He's just trying to graduate. Yeah. Right. That's it. Uh, we find out uh, that uh, uh, Viper flew with uh, Maverick's old man right after that. And mm-hmm. uh, the heart to heart with Maverick and Goose back at their quarters. Goose really lays it out. And he's like, I got a family. You, uh, you're flying. Makes me nervous. Foreshadowing. He might, he might as well just yeah. say foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, Maverick lets Goose know that he's sorry. He says that you're the only family I get. God, it's not much of an apology, but. Goose gets what he's saying, I guess. Right, you know? right. Um, and I assume, so we get a little more on Viper's relationship with Maverick's dad later in the movie, yep. but I got to assume that his relationship with his dad is why he clearly is favoring Maverick. I would assume like so. He gets mad at him, but you can tell he believes in him right away. Right, and you know, I'm sure Maverick and his father probably shared some characteristics and he probably sees the... The true greatness that Maverick could probably achieve. Right, and, right. Um, understands what kind of goes with his personality because I'm sure he shared a similar personality with his father. Yeah. You got to be a certain type of man to be able to fly a high-speed jet. Right, right. <laughs> um, back at school, those boys are hitting the classroom. Did you see that there was like calculus books and stuff on there? Oh, I could, no, I I could not be a fighter pilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Charlie and Mav kind of, you know, talk to each other in the classroom and there's definite sexual tension between them again. Um, she says, I don't date students, but she ends up uh, inviting him to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> dinner tonight, 530 sharp. Um, and now we get to move on to the oft parodied beach volleyball scene. Yeah. <laughs> and all the guys watching too. I mean, I know they're all there together, but I just find it funny. We got four shirtless dudes. Topless sweating. dudes. Showing up their pecs and their abs, and every other guy is eyes glued to that volleyball <laughs> match. And they keep playing over and over. So they it's do. not even like they're waiting their turn. <laughs> These guys are just playing until they feel like not playing anymore. I love Tom Cruise in his uh, full length jeans on the beach playing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice that right away. And then when he falls over in the jeans, I'm like, is he actually wearing jeans? He's actually sure wearing enough, jeans. He's wearing jeans. <laughs> 
it does show like that they're interested in team building at least you know on yeah. a serious note but that uh there's a little bit of a silly story with it that i want to tell you about right now um in an article from the hollywood reporter uh Top Guns volleyball scene nearly cost Tony Scott his job. Uh, parentheses, they were really angry. <laughs> really? <laughs> so Tony Scott, I guess, was a uh, like a music video and TV commercial director mostly before he started doing movies. Mm-hmm. So it was not uh, appreciated that this was shot like a, that this scene was shot like a commercial uh, and that they took the time to actually script the scene out. They were playing actual volleyball games. They mm-hmm. were actually keeping track of score and all this stuff. Um, and a direct quote from, uh, this article, the, the head of production, Charlie McGuire said, I'm going to fire him. I'm meaning Tony. He spent all day shooting the scene. And then of course it turns out to be one of the most famous scenes in the movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of a silly story that uh, grown men playing beach volleyball almost put the end to Tony Scott's career. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so if you don't know, you don't know, but were they actually playing? Like, were they the ones playing or is there like body doubles that we the article said that they were playing it. They okay. were actually playing the games. Uh, Tom Cruise cannot spike a volleyball. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't. It didn't say that in the article, but I don't think Tom Cruise can spike a volleyball. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of uh, um, uh, tricky editing, not tricky, favorable editing to make yeah. them all look really, really good. Um, we'll move on to dinner at uh, dinner with Charlie and my favorite song of the movie. Take my breath away by Berlin. Starts. Oh yeah. Um, of course, Mav is late and uh, she pretends not to be home. So naturally he goes creeping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> naturally just, well, <laughs> you know, maybe I thought about that a little bit and maybe that's something that would have been a little bit more acceptable in 1986. If you went and knocked on somebody's door to be like, well, they're supposed to be home. Maybe I'll walk around to the back of their house and see if they're back there. Right. I mean, before cell phones and all that type of stuff, I could see that maybe yeah, I mean, happening. That's your only option, you know. It's still kind of weird. I, th- um, I thought, the first thing I thought in that is he just sweat like crazy, crazy playing all these games of volleyball, and then he just goes there to the date. But then, sure enough, one of the first things he says is, if you don't mind, I'm going to go take a shower. <laughs> like, what? I do mind. <laughs> yeah, you can't <laughs> take a shower at my house, you disgusting uh, pig. Um. So they do end up having dinner because she denies him that shower. Yeah. And uh, she says, I'm hungry. So he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever you I will, say. We'll have dinner. Um, she, Char- Charlie says that she wants to be honest with him. Why Why she has him over? Uh, it's the Mig, not the sex. <laughs> 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 so they keep talking a little bit more. And Mav really wants her to just relax about the Mig. It seems like he wants to get to know her, right? He's yeah. really interested in her. Oh, for sure. Um, and it seems like he's willing to be different. Like he was broken up about being late. And yeah, it was sundown in California in the middle of the summer. So what was it like? 10 o'clock at night so and was it he said 5 like, 30 yeah so right? was he or like five was he like four and a half five hours late yeah <laughs> like that's looking late. at his looking at his watch at eight <laughs> like oh god i'm three hours late already i don't have any more time for another game i'm sorry goose i know it's a tiebreaker and i know we went four hours past when i was gonna leave but i i gotta go they really hit it off you know at the end of this scene and uh charlie says this is gonna be complicated um, then we get a great flirty play by Maverick. He gets up from dinner and Charlotte asks where's he, where he's going. And he says, I'm going to go take a shower. Yep. Just, 
leaving the sexual attention there right. over and over right. and over. And then he leaves. He's a pro. He's a real pro. He's a pro. <laughs> he planted the seed. And you know the rest. You know the rest. Uh, the next day, they're back on base, and they meet in the elevator, and uh, Charlotte wants Mav to know that she has to be an instructor first, and that uh, love interest second, uh, a.k.a. I still have to rip you in class today. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> Mav seems to be understanding, and he yeah. says, I've, I've, I'm glad we've got that straight, but... Um, we quickly, we get to see, uh, Goose's family, uh, arrive at the airport, uh, just to make it even more sad for what's going to happen to Goose. Yes. <laughs> Much more sad. Uh, now we're back at class again. Did you like their, their giant console in front of all those TVs to just like pause the, pause the tape, like this giant console and it's like, click, clunk. Click. Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> I just got a good kick out of that. The and it's funny because that technology was probably like super top of the line if the military was using it at oh, the time. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, but uh, Charlotte has to criticize Maverick about his flying and basically saying he did it all wrong. Like he got the got the result that they wanted, but he did it all wrong. You right. Know? He seems pretty hurt about it, and he's going to be a real ass about it, apparently. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> she tries to reason with him after class, but uh, he decides to rev his motorcycle instead. Yeah, and just takes <laughs> off. Can't hear you. <laughs> Can't hear you. <laughs> what does she do? She burns the hell out and takes right off after. Yeah, and that, that was a sweet, that was a sweet uh, Porsche, classic Porsche that she was in. Yeah, it was. So she catches up with him, and basically it comes down to... Uh, she doesn't want people to know that they're involved. And yeah. that's why she had to be extra hard on him because actually what I thought you did was brilliant up yeah. there, but I can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. People can't know I'm <laughs> falling for you. <laughs> right. Um, but that's all Mav needs. Yeah. It's on. Yeah, it's it's on. It's sexy time, PG style. <laughs> yeah, PG style, definitely. Uh, I also read, I don't remember what article I read this in, but this was a reshoot. They added this in after the movie was completed. This wasn't actually in the movie. Really? Yeah, so this is a reshoot. It was added in. Um, you didn't even get a Tom Cruise butt in it. Like, yeah. couldn't you at least get a Tom Cruise butt in this yeah. scene? One butt? One butt. That's all I was asking for. I'm pretty for. surprised. Um, the kissing was weird because they were like licking each other's faces. Yeah. Kind of made me think of uh, Catwoman and Batman a little bit. A little, a little bit. Um, but you get more Take My Breath Away, which I am a fan of. I just I love, love that song. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. I just love that song so much. The, Definitely. The whole soundtrack, like it's just all a synth. Like it's one dude on a giant synth, I'm yeah. sure. And I just, I love that synth bass. I love, oh, I just love everything about it. In the that. words of Drew, it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> seriously. It seriously like, it does. It hit me with Danger Zone multiple times and Take My Breath Away. It was a perfect song it, for that scene. It really was. Uh, and he's gone the next morning. Um, leaves a note and a flower and yeah. a rose, but we don't get to see what the note says. No. Nope. I Googled it trying to find it, and I have no idea what it said. So hmm. um, Now we're going to be heading right back into the air. And we get a really famous line. I feel the need, the need for speed. Boom. <laughs> that was actually, side note, my favorite season of watching football was the 2009 season. The Minnesota Vikings had Brett Favre and Jared Allen and Kevin Williams. I know you got to be a Minnesota fan to maybe know who they are. But my favorite highlight was those two doing the high five and the low five that Tom Cruise and Goose do and saying that line. And I had no idea it was from Top Gun because I've never seen Top Gun. So it just like made it so much more badass in my mind. This movie is iconic. Super Straight iconic. Straight up iconic. And 
now all these points in your life can be drawn together into yeah. one movie. Right. It's, crazy. it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, we get another uh, voiceover from Jester. Uh, training is half over. It, first place, Iceman. Iceman. Second place, Maverick. And then Viper's in the air today, so that's exciting. And you get a, holy shit, it's Viper. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of S words in this movie for a PG. A lot of S words. Yep. Um, Maverick leaves his wingman, Hollywood, uh, immediately, basically, to go after Viper. Viper is his eyes on the prize. That's what he wants. He yep. wants to get a kill on Viper. Um, never leave your wingman. Never leave your wingman because there's Jester because Jester took care of Hollywood no problem. And then yeah. there's Jester. You're dead. <laughs> You're dead. You're dead. So hit the showers, boys. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's one more instance. Jester confronts him in the showers. One more instance of uh, Maverick doing a great job saying he's a great pilot, but you made all the mistakes. Every mistake right. you could make, you made it, but... You're a great pilot. You but know? you looked good doing it. You looked good doing it. <laughs> and Goose is even more down on Maverick. Oh, yeah. Maverick tries to apologize, and he's like, I know. I know, Maverick. I know. Yeah. Like, oof, that's I've, like the, I've heard I'm, it before, man. It's like, I'm I'm dis- I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed. Yeah, which is worse. <laughs> it's just way worse. Um, I do get the sense, though, that he still trusts Maverick, mm-hmm. if not because of having to to be able to do his job he has to be able to trust his pilot because he's not flying the plane right um or if he having enough experience with maverick understands that maverick's a good dude he just needs to make the right decisions yeah i'm sure it's both but Probably. you certainly don't want to portray not being confident in your pilot that's before very you true go up there too so it kind of blow over it and yeah that's very true that's exactly what you would have to do to keep the working relationship going otherwise it's not going to work out between the two of them mm-hmm um, we get some goodness gracious great balls of fire in there on a double date at a public bar on base and she was concerned about them knowing that they're together. Yeah. Charlotte was concerned about them knowing that her and Maverick were together. Apparently not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun scene. It's a little, instead of comedy in this movie, it's like broken up with musical numbers to yeah. relieve the stress, which is fine. They're yeah. entertaining and they're fun, but there's not a whole lot of really comedic lines in the movie. Yeah. I really like that scene, though. Yeah, it's a really, you know, another scene to make you really feel for Goose and his family. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. make you really feel for him. Um, uh, so, Goose, or excuse me, Maverick and Charlotte are out of there. And uh, we get some more awkward kissing on the dock. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just very awkward. It was just weird kissing on the dock. Um, finally, we're going to be back up in the air, which I'm always happy to talk about. Uh, two weeks to graduation, hop 31, every point counts. For the first time, we get to see Maverick and Goose fly with Iceman and Slider, so this should be a treat. You yes. know, it's always the, you get the top two up there in the air. I'm sure since it's the 31st hop and the last one, he describes it as the 16th hop, so I'm sure they have flown together before, but it's the first time we get to see it. Right. Uh, Iceman takes the lead on uh, on the bogeys, and Mav is not a flan- fan. That SOB cut me off. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Um, Iceman refuses to come off of the bogey when he obviously can't get a shot on it. Um, but when he finally does, I don't know if it's a case of him coming off too late or Maverick being too aggressive. They end up in Iceman's jet wash and right. it's just pure disaster. Pure disaster. And they get a, the first, the first engine flames out, which sends them into that flat spin and both engines get killed and they're spinning so fast that neither of them can get to the ejection handles. Maverick's pinned up against the the canopy so goose has to pull the handles in the back and uh even as he's pulling it you hear maverick say watch out for the canopy but uh goose he hits that canopy full force and i'm assuming he died if not instantly very quickly after that right yeah 
God, that was just brutal to watch. Very brutal. And then when they pull him out of the water, like, is that actually how it would be done? Just like him? Yeah, just... I thought the same thing. You're just gonna wheel his dead hanging body. My up gosh, there? that was tough to watch. That, that was, was really tough to watch. Yeah, it was a very emotional scene. They, uh, Tom Cruise did a really good job in the water with it. It was a very emotional scene. Really good scene. The first time I watched it, I was more in shock than anything because yes. I told you earlier in the movie I thought Goose is dying for sure, and then I get to a point where I'm like, nope, Goose isn't gonna die, and then sure enough, he does. But I analyzed the scene a lot more the second time, and the first time I thought it was more Maverick's fault. The second time watching it, I mean, clearly, Iceman, what do you need 20 seconds for? I mean, get the hell out of the way if you're not going to do it. But also, Goose was egging Maverick on to go for it. He was. He was like, come on, Maverick, let's go get the shot, let's get the shot, come on. So, ah, God, it's like all three of them's fault. It doesn't make it any easier to take no. it. I definitely was welling up the second time yeah. because I knew it was coming. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a sad-ass scene. It man. really, really, really is. This um, is probably the most likable character in the heck movie. Heck yeah, he is. You know? yeah, he's, he's probably like the most relatable character definitely. to the audience. Right, yeah. He's yeah. like the average Joe who's yeah. just up there having a good time. You know, mm. like, There's a couple of comments in the movie where they even say, like, you're here? Like, right, right. You're lucky you're Maverick's radar intercept officer. Right. Um, Maverick obviously blames himself, you know, right. Obviously blames himself. And we get that scene in the bathroom where Viper's in there and he says to him, you fly long enough. Something like this happens. Here's that butt shot you were talking about. <laughs> There's that butt shot. <laughs> the whitey tighties. Yeah. It, it was whitey tighties. So that was, uh, I'll appreciate a Tom Cruise butt shot any day. Oh yeah. Um, Maverick goes to Goose's quarters and is he taking those things for himself? Is he gathering them for his, his, uh, for Matt or Goose's wife? I'm guessing that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But he does, he does have the balls to go see her. I know. He, you could tell he was debating it. He, I don't think he was going to go until after he was about to exit where Goose's quarters were. Yeah, and I think, I mean, she probably doesn't know the full spectrum of what happened, but I was a little surprised that she wasn't harder on Maverick. Yeah, and he, it, I think that comes, like, you kind of understand that when she says that Goose would have kept flying without you. He would have hated it. Right. But he would have kept flying. Right. So it's almost like she understands the risk that both of these men were taking. Yeah. It's a super dangerous business. And um, I would have expected a little more anger out of yeah. her too. That's like the usual thing you would expect. Right. She takes it out on him and then maybe comes around later in the yeah. movie. But it's pretty cool that she's, you know, that understanding of the right. situation. Because that would have tore him Maverick up even more, obviously. It and, would have for sure. Uh, do you think that that maybe uh, even goes as far as the Navy saying that she can't be angry about it when in Possibly. this movie? I she mean, can't be angry about it? These men know what they're getting into? Possibly. That makes sense. So I, I, that thought crossed my mind when I was watching it in one of the watch-throughs I was doing. I'm like, is that maybe a, a product of that relationship with the Navy that it, they can't even do that to show it in a negative light? Right. So I don't know. I mean... It was an interesting reaction. I would have expected more anger out of her. Yeah, and you know, like you said, Viper tells him, you know, it that happens, you got to get over it, and mm-hmm. it's like time to move on. Mm-hmm. And they do move on because we're in court immediately, and Lieutenant Pete Mitchell is not at fault. Flight status is restored. Get him up in the air mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Yeah, and just like Viper said, uh, Maverick is now back in the air. Got to get right back on that bike, I guess. Uh, but Maverick is definitely struggling. Oh, yeah. um, a lot of those uh, same type of things that Cougar had issues yep. with in the beginning. Yep. Um, 
has he lost his edge? Is he holding on too tight? And you, you can say yes. He is. He definitely he is. is. Um, they failed the mission, which I don't think he failed any missions besides the tragic one with Goose. But I don't think he failed. You would have to almost not fail any missions to be at the top of the class. Correct. So yeah. I'm sure out of 31, there was instances where he failed, but I'm sure it was not the norm. Right. Um, Jester definitely has his doubts. and uh, Viper only has one thing to say to him. Keep setting him up. Yeah. Just keep setting him up. Um. We're back in the locker room with Iceman, and we get a shred of decency out of him, finally. A shred of decency. A shred of decency. Um, but it's not going to change Maverick's mind. He's still packing up, and he is out of there. Yeah. He's quitting. He does not want to do it anymore. Uh, but Wolfman calls Charlotte. Thanks, Wolfman. I yeah. Guess that's yeah, that was kind of... I didn't expect that. So but. does that mean that even the rest of the pilots know that they're together? Because why else it would he call? Be. Why else would he call Charlotte? She's just an instructor. Yeah. You'd think that if he was going to place a call to somebody, it would have been to Jester or Viper. Right. But he called Charlotte, so it must be an open secret, I guess, yeah. amongst the pilots that he's dating their teacher. Um, Maverick heads straight to the bar, and it seems like he's skipping town. Um, Charlotte shows up, and she's immediately hurt that uh, Maverick's going to leave without her, uh, without saying goodbye, and she basically says. I wouldn't have done that to you. Right. Right. So she tries to convince him to stay, but uh, it doesn't really work. And so she just basically calls him a quitter. Trying, trying yeah. some tough love. Like yeah, you're really fine. good at that. Quit. Go ahead and quit. Get out of here. Yeah. Nobody wants you around here anyways. Yeah. Um, but that makes him think twice. So she knew how to push his button to, right. to challenge him, to tell him he's a quitter. And she, he's not she was the right person to call. She was the right person to call. Um, and I, do you think Maverick's plan was to go see Viper no matter what happened at the bar? I think so. Because he wasn't expecting to see Charlotte there. Right. Yeah. And he was only drinking water. So that's, I mean, yeah. that's kind of, was kind of surprising, but he, I guess if he's leaving town, he's got to ride that motorcycle. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I bet he was planning on seeing Viper either way. Um, it, so he does go see Viper. Um, so, you know, I think I mentioned it before. I'm a Tim and Eric awesome show. Great, great job fan. Um, did you ever see the episode where they write a jingle for Tom Skerritt? Uh-uh. <laughs> well, it, the link to the YouTube video will be in the show notes, so I recommend it. It's pretty funny. Um, Mav gets the skinny in this scene about uh, what happened with his father. Um, and finds out that uh, his dad died a hero and that it was just, it's classified, and that's why he wasn't able to hear about it. So right. uh, that kind of puts his mind at ease and um, makes him understand that uh, not everything is uh, what it uh, seems to be, I think. Right. That was like definitely some good closure for him yeah. because obviously he wanted to think the best about his dad but yeah. didn't know any information. And I thought it was funny too that Viper said, this is classified, and then they go walk down the sidewalk and talk about it. And I was just thinking... This was possible in 86, but now everyone's phone would be listening to everything. Right. There's no way you could even go do that. No, you could You would have couldn't. to like, be in a locked room with no electronics. Or you something. would, especially somebody that's probably as high-ranking in the military as uh, Viper is. Right. Um, Viper gives him a great speech about not, uh, not quitting and basically tells Maverick that he has to choose whether to hang it up or keep going like that's right. what what you have to do as a pilot you have to push the envelope you have to make a choice you have to do it or don't yep do it or don't and so uh i think mav decided he thinks he can cut it um but we're we're unsure at this point if he has or not yeah uh, um we get the graduation ceremony scene and maverick is a no-show at first so it kind of seems like oh, i guess he did decide to leave town um, he does make it to the ceremony. I'm sure he didn't want to be a distraction while everybody else is going through their graduation. So yeah. 
he decided to show up late, and uh, we find out Iceman is Top Gun, and Mav congratulates him. I liked that. Yeah, that was really cool. It's, uh, you know, Iceman extended the olive branch in the locker room, and Maverick decides to return the return the gesture by congratulating him on being uh, Top right. Gun. Um, it turns out there's a crisis afoot, and uh, some of the pilots have to depart immediately. So Iceman and Slider, Hollywood and Wolfman, and Maverick. Uh, Maverick will get his radar interceptor off radar intercept officer on ship and viper says if you don't get one let me know i'll fly with you and i thought for sure that's what was gonna happen but i i wish it would have that would have been I cool do too not that, that i cool. i liked that they brought merlin back yes that was cool but i was pretty excited to see <laughs> viper back there with him that would have been really really cool if that would have happened so back on the uss enterprise we got a real deal mission uh this time in the movie um they're gonna provide air support for a rescue mission and Maverick gets assigned uh, Merlin, Tim Robbins. So it's cool to have Tim Robbins back in the movie. I kind of yeah. wish he would have had a bigger part, but uh, it was yeah. cool to have Tim Robbins back in the movie. Um, Iceman is lead on the mission, and tensions are high. Can Maverick do it? <laughs> oh, man, this is like the superhero buildup of all superheroes. Right, when right. he's sitting down on the bottom just waiting to get the go-ahead to go. Oh, this is... Right. Everything in the air is amazing, like Drew said, but this last scene... It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Iceman definitely has his doubts. He immediately goes and talks to his instructor and says, so Maverick, yeah. he kind of freaked out last time. Yeah, it's not personal, but <laughs> I don't really want to die up there. So <laughs> right. can you do something about that? Uh, but we get in, he's told to just basically deal with it. And yeah, he and does I like that. Maverick's right there when he's saying <laughs> right it. And he there. doesn't even, def- he's just like walks by him. Like whatever you prick. He kind of does the surprise Pikachu face for a second. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Me? <laughs> Uh, quickly, quickly, things get out of hand with this mission. Um, Iceman and Slider and Hollywood and uh, Wolfman are all in the air, and Maverick's on the deck of the aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MIGs are seeming to multiply. Oh like, yeah, I find it hard to believe that they couldn't. They they saw one, and then I was like, okay, I can believe that it was two. Right, and then all of a sudden there's five. How yeah. do five MIGs hide in the same radar signature? Right. Right. That seems even the four. Yeah. It makes sense, like you said, to go to two. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's two pairs. There's four. And then a fifth one comes from where? Exactly. (laughs) Well, and then there's even one more that shows up even later. Yeah, six by the end. Yeah. Uh, Those MiGs quickly engage Hollywood and they just blow them out of the air almost immediately. He didn't die, though. He did not die. We do see them. You only see one pilot floating down in the ejection right. but so, I, so like, I thought one of them did die but no nope. they're both at the end of the movie so they didn't die um so mav we learn right after that that there are six migs in the air at the time and mav is up and going he's supersonic and on the way oh man my um, heart's racing just oh, thinking about this i know scene man right i know Iceman is dodging missiles literally dodging missiles dodging <laughs> missiles like crazy and I can't help but relate everything to Batman content because we started. So, I mean, I love Val Kilmer in this movie, and that last scene is so intense. It is. It's like, that's Batman dodging all these. (laughs) This is so cool. He gives a... to speak on that for a second, he gives a much better performance in this movie than he does in Batman. Yeah, really good. And this came out before that. Yes, it did. So, you know, maybe that some of that is the writing and it, it could how be. much opportunity they gave him. But yeah, yeah I yeah. like to see him in a totally different role. Mm-hmm. Um, once Mav is on the scene, uh, there's instantly a replay of exactly what happens with him and Goose. Yeah. Flies right through the jet wash of that MIG, and they are almost in a flat spin immediately. Yeah. 
And isn't it Viper that says to him earlier that the whole point of this kind of stuff is so you learn yep. from your mistakes? Applying so what you learn is what he that says. That was foreshadowing, mm-hmm. and he survives this one, yep. so that's awesome. He doesn't lose either engine. He actually recovers it fairly easily, which is a yeah. good thing. Which is a really good thing, because I would... Don't Mo- lose Merlin, too. Come <laughs> the on. The movie ends with him crashing into the ocean. I mean, yeah. it's just over with uh, it. <laughs> well, that was short-lived. It does cause Mav to disengage immediately, but he finds his confidence, luckily. He yeah. kind of snaps out of it. He thinks about what, what would Goose say, right? right what would right. Goose say? And he's holding, those, uh, he's holding the dog tags in his hand, in an ungloved hand in a combat airplane he would not be an un he wouldn't have time to be like oh goose i'm looking down at these dog (laughs) as ice man's like they're all over (laughs) me man get the hell up here dude (sighs) so that was just funny hollywoodness (laughs) yeah just funny hollywoodness um he heads right back into the fight um mav shoots down the first mig and then over to rescue Iceman and Slider. Even with that MIG on his tail, Mav refuses to leave his wingman. I'm I, not going to do it. I love that. I wrote that down. I'm not leaving my wingman. Mm-hmm. I wrote that as just such a powerful line. Just Because he is the one person he w- you would think would never turn his character around to come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. But after losing Goose, he truly is a different pilot. He is a different pilot completely. Different person completely. Um, Iceman shoots down that MIG that is on uh, on their tail. Um, and takes some bullets to one of his engines uh, at that time. And then, again, he takes even more bullets a little yeah. bit later on. Um, Mav gets in, in position to fire more missiles, and he, he does, um, missing the first shot because he fired it without lock. Right. right. He fired it without lock, uh, but that second shot is a direct hit, and that's MiG number three. See you later, MiG number three. Yep. Um, now with a, a MiG on his tail, Maverick is dodging bullets, uh, but he slows down. I'm going to bring him in closer, Merlin. You're going to do what? Yeah. That's one of the better lines of the movie. Yeah. That's one of the better lines of the movie. Uh, I wrote, when he hits the brake the second time to use that last missile, that's intense as hell, let's face it. That was super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so he manages to do it. He does just that and gets behind that fourth Megan, blows that sucker right out of the sky. See you later. See you later. Uh, the rain. The remaining MIGs are bugging out. Big cheers all around. Yep, yep. Um, how hot do you think it is in that command center in that uh, aircraft carrier? Oh, insanely, insanely hot. hot. They're in the Indian Ocean. It's probably over 110 degrees in the middle of that ocean. Oh yeah. And well, the dude's doused in sweat. They're I, all I mean, just between like, stress and the heat. He's just doused. I asked a coworker friend of mine who was on an aircraft carrier. Um, how hot are those ships actually? He's like, they are unbelievable. You cannot believe how hot those ships oh are. Oh my gosh, and I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, uh, thanks Troy for the information. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, uh, f- we get one last flyby. So classic Mav, right? Yeah, gotta, gotta do it again. S- spill that coffee. That guy gets coffee spilt on him three times. Three times. Three times yeah. in the movie. He never did get those butts though, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. <laughs> And back on ship, we get a real happy ending. Mav and Ice are now besties. Ah! Yeah, that was pretty cool. You! Yeah. (laughs) You can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit, you can be mine. (laughs) Yeah, I love that so much. And now Maverick is famous, and he gets to have his choice of duty. You can go anywhere. You can do anything, go anywhere. Where do you think you want to go? I'm thinking of being an instructor. Top Gun? God help us. God help us. <laughs> and then that's what he does. He heads straight to Fighter Town, USA. And it, they make it look like he 
flew an, uh, a tomcat there, right? Yeah, they showed yeah. it landed, so maybe he did fly it directly there from the Indian Ocean. He's like, see you right. later, guys. Um, and that's what we do. So back at the bar, uh, he is you know, contemplating his existence. He's just lived the most exhilarating few months of his life, I'm sure. And yeah. where do you go from here besides trying to uh, take the knowledge that you've gained and pass it on to other pilots so that they can help protect the United States of America as well? Right. Uh, but somebody plays their song. Oh, my goodness. He's like, what? Charlie? So he walks over to that jukebox, and he's just like, man, I just, uh, I can't believe it. And then, oh. There, there, she, there she is. And guess what? We get the happy, happy ending, which I'm very happy about. I love the, the happy, happy movie. Happy, happy movie ending, and I love this movie. Just so plain you, and simple. You own the movie, so I need to know if this is actually where it ends, because on Paramount, it seems to stop abruptly, and if anyone has Paramount, if you use it on your PS4 and you want to fast forward to a spot, it goes 12 seconds at a time. So I had to go through the whole movie 12 seconds at a time to get to it again, and it ended in the same spot. And then when I rewatch it, it ended in the same spot again. The last thing I hear is Tom Cruise after she asks how the second one went when he says he crashed and burned the first time, and he says, I don't know, but it's looking good so far. And then the movie just ends. Fade is to that, black. Is that, that's how it ends. Fade to black. Wow. Okay, yeah, there's no credits. It just stops and goes to the next movie on Paramount. So I was like, is that how it ends? There was a couple of different endings. One of the endings was where they just have the music playing. You don't even see, I don't think you even see Tom Cruise in the bar. It's just at the bar and the jukebox is playing okay. uh, Love and Feeling. You've lost that Love and Feeling. Um, they did, I think they had to reshoot this. Like it was another added on scene at the end and. In the article I read, they said, when we just put that song on and when it hits, you've lost and they're making out, it just is like, yeah. a, it was he's like, it just was perfect. It was the perfect ending for the movie. So sure. a hard cut like that to the end is kind of jarring and you're kind of like, oh, what? It, huh, huh. But yeah. I, I think it worked pretty well for it this worked, movie. Yeah. It worked pretty well. Leaves a lot of questions, yeah. really left open the idea of a sequel, oh, yeah. um, which I did a little bit of research into looking into a sequel. It just never really got off the ground. The sequel just never got off the ground until... Obviously, 2022, when Tom Cruise single-handedly uh, willed it into his existence. Um, but that's the movie. Um, I love that movie, like I said, and I just can't wait to watch it again. Blown it's just away. It's just such a great movie. It just, it has, it created so many stereotypes for 80s action movies. It's just a trendsetter. Oh, yeah. Uh, everything after that. It's like there's movies before, action movies before Top Gun. And action movies after Top Gun. Right. It just really created this whole idea of super intense action movies where there's not a whole heck of a lot of story, but if the action is good enough, yeah. you will watch the whole thing. Agreed. And something else watching this, I couldn't help but wonder, do you think Tom Cruise was an option to play Batman in those first movies? I don't know. I don't recall ever seeing anything like that, but it seems like it would have been somebody that they would have been like, Batman? I couldn't help but think, obviously, Tom's an attractive man, so I think he would have pulled off a really good Bruce Wayne. If he was willing to try to Christian Bale his voice, I think maybe he could have been a good Batman. But if he tried to Clooney it and just talk normal, then he would not have been a good Batman. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's a good-looking dude, and he's he is a good, a good actor, and I, I feel like he's got that lower face that we liked mm -hmm. in Clooney out of mm -hmm. the suit. He, I feel like he should have been an option if he wasn't an option. I think that would have been a very interesting casting choice to have 
uh, Tom Cruise be Batman. It would have been a really interesting thing to see. It would have been highly athletic, I believe. Way yeah. more athletic than way Keaton's. More. I don't know if his style of acting at the time would have really cut it for the storytelling that Burton wanted to do. I agree. Now uh, that you say that, he might not have been the most Burton actor right. to put in that spot. But, I mean, he's a good actor. He is He is incredibly handsome in this movie. Yeah, like, he is. Just incredibly handsome. It just, I can't believe how handsome Man he is. Man crush. Yeah, no, I've always liked Tom Cruise movies, and he is one hot dude, that yep. is for sure. Um, yeah, and I absolutely love this movie, and... Hopefully we can revisit it sometime in yes, this podcast in seriously. some way or another. And if somehow you didn't do your homework and you still listen to this and you thought it was awesome, please do yourself a favor and go watch Top Gun because it is so good. I can't even express how much you need to watch <laughs> Top Gun. I'm the crazy person in 2022 who's obsessed with a 1986 movie, but seriously, it's so good. It is so unbelievably good. Um. It's going to be tough to move on after that because I just want to keep talking Top Gun. I know, but I know. Let's watch it. <laughs> we we have homework to assign, yep. unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately because it's fun. It's watching movies or playing video games. So <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Um, we are going to do Dumb and Dumber. Um, it was on the top of our list. so Yep, both it, of our lists. Needs so to be done. Sense. Yep. Tenth episode. Yeah, it makes sense to do it, right? Uh, uh, that was directed by uh, Peter Farley. Farley? Farley? Fairley Brothers. I was, it looks like yeah. kind of looks like Farley. It's the Fairley Brothers. Directed by Peter Farley. It was written by Peter Farley and Bobby Farley and Bennett Yellen. Why are you yelling, Bennett? Bennett Yellen. Um, you may remember the Farley Brothers from such hits as Kingpin in 1996. There's something about Barry and Mary. There's something about Mary in 1998. Outside Providence in 99. And then the rest were after 2000. So according to this podcast, they don't exist. <laughs> Um, it made $247 million. That's uh, a lot of money for a comedy. Yeah. Um, adjusted for today, uh, it's $487 million today. Thanks a lot, usinflationcalculator.com. I will get through saying that in one time, one day. Just It'll happen. Someday. Starring Jim Carrey as Lloyd Christmas, Jeff Daniels as Harry Dunn, Lauren Holly as Mary Swanson, Karen Duffy as J.P. Shea, Mike Starr as Joe Mental Mentalio, Mentalino, <laughs> Mentalino, I bet you that's what it is. Uh, and to a lesser extent, Cam Neely as Seabass. And Cam Neely is a former professional hockey, hockey player. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, former professional hockey player. He Kick was, his ass, Seabass. <laughs> yeah, he was still uh, in the NHL at the time when this movie was made. He retired in 1996. And that's he's, pretty cool. He, is, he mostly played with the Boston Bruins, and he's currently their president of operations. Wow. Yeah, that's so super awesome. Cam Neely, right? And Harlan Williams as the motorcycle police officer, that unfortunate motorcycle police officer. Uh, Harlan Williams, uh, half-baked, right? Oh, yeah. Half-baked. That's what uh, I think of him in. His, have you seen his stand-up? I don't think it so. Is, it is the craziest, weirdest stuff you can listen to. I recommend it. Talking of half-baked, I've seen Jim Brewer stand-up. That's, That's also incredible. I don't want to s- tell you what my political views are, but it's really too bad that he's strayed so far s- to one side of the political spectrum. Yeah. It's really too bad. He's a funny guy. It's yeah, just, he is. He just says some weird stuff sometimes. <laughs> um, this was a top movie for the both of us, and it's going to be a joy for us to do it. It's available on Netflix right now. So That's awesome. That's perfect. Piece of cake to no be able excuse, to watch it. People. No excuse. It's on Netflix. And if you don't own it or if you don't have Netflix... I bet you if you called three different people, one of those people is going to own it. Yeah, so, and they're going to be down to watch it. Let's oh, face reality. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, before we get to the outro, I'd like to take a second and thank some of our listeners, our newest and best listeners that we've gotten since we've started this podcast. Is that okay, Trav? Let's do it. So everybody that listens to the show, like, thank you. Honestly, thank you. This is something that we love to do and we want to keep doing it for as long as we possibly can do it. Um, the top three states, I'm looking at you, Connecticut and Nevada (laughs) and Washington. So if you are in one of those states, why haven't you emailed us yet? Seriously. And also, thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that last <laughs> tone of my voice. Um, but for with Washington State, thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks for listening. And thank you especially for the letter you sent us. It was a really cool vintage button, uh, Batman button from the 80s. So that's pretty dang neat. Um, pretty cool. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. Um, I will be putting pictures of the note and the button on Instagram if you guys want to check that out at all. And then lastly, definitely not leastly, I don't think that's a word, uh, to all the people in our home state of Minnesota, thank you, thank you, thank you. All of you have given us the confidence to keep this thing going. And obviously, Minnesota is the most popular state that we're listened to, but Minnesota nice and all, I decided to mention us last. Yeah. (laughs) So with that out of the way, uh, what do you have for me, Trav? Well, I do have one shout out myself here. So my favorite customer at work, John, I want to give you a big shout out. Uh, he actually came into work. He's my movie guy, superhero movies usually, but he actually asked me this week if I have watched the new Top Gun. And I said, I got one better for you. I watched the original for the first time yesterday and his mind was blown. So it set it up perfect that I could describe this whole podcast, and I was probably one sentence into it, and he was already, what's the name? I love podcasts, writing this down. So, John, you're awesome. I hope you're still listening at this point, and if you somehow haven't emailed us yet, email us a question. I want your question, and I want your movie topic idea. So with that, moving into the emails, make sure you email us at Overdue Homework podcast at gmail.com and let's get into some of these bad boys i just want to say too if if you just want to email us a story about something that's in your life that relates to the 80s or 90s just please anything we'd love to read it on the air 100 percent, and it it doesn't have to be as amazing as the questions that i come up with that's impossible to do it's impossible so (laughs) if you want to just email us and say what is your favorite color i'll make it fun i'll be the troll in monty python and what is your favorite color (laughs) we'll we'll make it fun so just do whatever you gotta do just email us a story a topic a question say we suck i don't care just email us yes so, getting into those emails, we actually have a big three-parter from somebody who goes by Timotheus1978. So, this first part is going to portray to you, Drew, much more than me. He wants to know, since we talked about this in the emails last time, Halloween that is, he said, Do you guys remember the Halloween snowstorm of 1991? My brothers and I went trick-or-treating in the snow and we got tons of candy because no one else was out. The next morning, however, I had to deliver the newspaper even though the postal service called off delivery. I was not happy. So he wants to know, what was your experience that night or did you even get the same snowstorm where you lived? So my experience uh, that night was a very similar to Timothy night Tim Timotheus Timotheus 1978 Timotheus 1978 
my experience was very similar to yours. Uh, just for our non-Minnesota listeners, um, quick backstory on this 1991 snowstorm. It is affectionately known as the 1991 Halloween Megastorm. Megastorm. Uh, people still talk about it today. It's just one of those things. You remember that? Where were you? Blah, 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 blah. It's just one of those things. Minnesotans love to talk about the weather, and we're really proud of when we get lots of snow, apparently. Yeah. Um, it, it was like two feet of snow in like 12 hours, so it was a lot. Um, I tried to go trick-or-treating. Uh, I believe my dad took me out. I tried to go trick-or-treating. My sister was too young. Um, she would have gone trick-or-treating, but she was too young to go on the snowstorm and try to trick-or-treat. We made it one house. We turned around and decided to drive to the mall in this terrible snowstorm. <laughs> so we went to the Madison East Mall. At the time, we had the Madison East Mall and the River Hills Mall in town. We went to the Madison East Mall because it was the mall on the way out. So it wasn't like as busy, hopefully. But of course, it was just jammed wall to wall with kids and Halloween costumes. Yep. And that was the one and only time that I went trick or treating at a mall or like an indoor building. Yeah. Other, it was always neighborhoods other than that. So that's, that's cool. what I really remember. I remember it being super duper snowy and it taking a long time to get to the mall. But we got our candy on Halloween. So it was pretty cool. That is cool. And sorry, Timotheus, but I was only two, so I do not remember the snowstorm. But luckily, you've got some more emails here, so the next part of this says, You mentioned that you guys are going to do the Ninja Turtles movies. One second here. He said, You mentioned you guys are going to do the Ninja Turtles movies and original TV show. I am casting my vote for those to move higher on the list. Those lean green fighting machines were my favorite heroes in a half shell. And if you don't do them soon, I'm not going to cut you any slack. Thanks. Turtle power, he says. <laughs> well, luckily, Timotheus, this will be coming up sooner than later. You will get some turtles in a half shell. Do we want to reveal how far away it is? Or we'll leave him on the hook. We'll leave we'll him on the hook. Le- we'll, we know him, so we'll leave him on the hook. We'll leave him on the hook. We'll leave him on the hook. It's, it's coming, though. Yep. Your wish is coming. Yep, it is. It's coming. So this final part here is more towards our Batman Roundup episode here. He put in the Batman Roundup episode, you said that there's no reason for Batgirl to have high heels. I have two comments. One, when has any female fighter in any movie ever worn clothing or gear that was practical? And then two, one benefit to fighting in high heels, pounds per square inch. High heels could do a lot more damage to an enemy face with far less force than that of a big fat boot or shoe heel. Thanks again. The show is awesome, and the 80s and 90s nostalgia is amazing. I'm looking forward to more. So, I'm going to say that we can be a little hard on him because we know him. That isn't exactly what we were going for, (laughs) to try to find a reason for it. He's sounding a little bit like a Hollywood director here, defending the (laughs) idea to put the high heels on. But it's more of... Like Drew has said, it's kind of sexist, a little misogynistic, and why can't she be badass without high heels? And I think the reasons of needing high heels do not compare to all the reasons of not wearing high heels in this situation. I will say, if you were, if if Bat, Batgirl Barbara was a video game character and her heels applied a higher boost to your damage... I would apply. I would have her wear the heels. Yeah. So it's legitimate. Like it's legitimate. Y- yes, you could probably do more damage to somebody's face with some high heels. Yes. I will give you that much. Yes. But it is still extremely sexist. <laughs> yes, definitely. 
but I really appreciate the emails. So yeah, keep absolutely. them coming. That was awesome. Timotheus, 1978. So now we're moving on to our next one here from Nicholas. Wants to know, what were some snacks and beverages you could always count on at your grandparents' house growing up? Uh, Pringles. That was the number one. My uh, grandmother loved Pringles. Pringles and root beer. Those were always around. It's one of the first things they would do, would go into her fridge and get an A&W root beer. Nice. She had one of those like plastic racks that you loaded the pop cans into. Oh, perfect. So then you pull it out you know, and kind of roll down and yep. over. So yeah, that's a, that's what I remember. And there's the Pringles. She loved Pringles. Cheese and plain. That's what it was. Cheese and plain. Yep, love those Pringles. She actually gave me, on a side note, um, that's where I get my love of Cheese Whiz is that side of the family. Oh, I nice. love Cheese Whiz. Cheese Whiz on a very toasted English muffin. Do it before you even think about what you're eating, because it's amazing. <laughs> I put cheese whiz on everything. Cheese, Very good. Cheese whiz on Funyuns. Have you ever done that? Uh, yes, I oh, have. Obviously, <laughs> of course. Squirted in the bugles, you know? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. yeah. So for my grandma's house, always had double stuff Oreos. There, oh. I don't think there was ever a time I went there when there wasn't double stuff Oreos. Nutrigrain bars, which we would steal, and then she would get mad because she needed those for work. Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> and then she always had cereal that needed sugar, like plain oh, Cheerios I and cornflakes. And then, you know, you take the scoop of sugar and you put it in and you pretend like you didn't put a scoop of sugar in. So you put another <laughs> scoop in and by the end, you're digging sugar out the bottom by <laughs> the end. Just gritty. I'm sorry, Grandma, but you made that happen. I yeah. can't help it. Why do you have cornflakes cornflakes come on <laughs> rice krispies and then for drinks i put they always had two percent milk mm. which i just remember because i had skim milk growing up somehow as an adult i've met in the middle i get one percent and they had rc cola yum. royal crown and yum, some yum, yum. sprite and then i think this was just when we had get together so i don't know if it was someone else bringing them coincidentally or my grandma always had them on lockdown but the little plastic juice with the impossible foil to get off the top of those little juice clock. Little little jugs. Little jugs. Yeah. <laughs> little jugs. You eat a little aluminum foil, no big deal. <laughs> Wash it down with some I, kind of good juice. I do buy my daughter those occasionally at the gas station because if she's had like a good swim lesson or something like that, be like, we can stop at the gas station and you can get a treat. Yeah. So she'll pick those little juices. Uh, pro tip, Get a straw that's a non-bendable straw. Put your thumb over the top of it. And you can jam it right through the tinfoil. That is a good idea. Pro tip. <laughs> that is a pro tip. All right. Our next email comes from Suffering Succotash. Wants to know, who was your favorite Looney Tune character growing up? And what was your favorite Looney Tune tandem? So my favorite Looney Tune character growing up... Um, I was a I was a really big Taz fan. Oh, he had yeah. that you know he had a spinoff show in the '90s, which I really enjoyed. Uh, but uh, I think if I had to pick one, it would be Bugs Bunny. Yeah, um, it's the obvious choice with Daffy Duck being a pretty close second. Yeah, I Elmer Fudd he uh, gives a lot of good comedy relief. Yeah. The, the physical comedy that gets portrayed onto him, that gets put onto him, is, is some of the best physical comedy in a. I, sh I guess I shouldn't say. I guess it's still considered physical comedy, even yeah. though they're animation cells. But I guess if I had to pick one, I will choose Bugs Bunny. Good choice. Um, and then my favorite tandem. And so it's easy to go uh, like Bugs Bunny and Daffy because all of yep. those hunting uh, show, all those hunting cartoons that they did, 
everything that they did together is always just golden. But I think I will choose um, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner for my favorite tandem. I like it. I um, like it. Whenever those ones would come on in the in the block, uh, it was always like I love these ones. I love yeah. uh, Wiley Coyote and uh, Roadrunner. I especially like the Wiley Coyote ones where he had speaking roles and even when it was with him and fred the sheepdog yeah like when yeah. they would morning fred you know like i i really I love it yeah those are really good i, I liked his speaking roles like yeah. it was really fun to hear him talk but so that's i would say that's my tandem i like it so i thought of bugs too obviously i think taz might have been my favorite but i put marvin the martian oh good call I, good I choice marvin the martian mm-hmm. still got the shirt i wear to this day and my tandem is the same as drew Proving again that we have a lot in common <laughs> because I love me some Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. Absolutely. Um, so the next email here comes from the Loch Ness Monster wants to know, were you a lake kid or a pool kid growing up? A pool kid. I spent plenty of times in lakes like anybody from Minnesota does, but I much preferred being in a pool as opposed to the lake. Sure. Um, if I did go into a lake, it was always with shoes on. I just couldn't do it. So. Yeah, yep, the water shoes, <laughs> yep. for sure. Yep, yep, yep. So pool for sure. Turtle lot pool here in town. That's where I hung out all the time. Nice. So I don't feel like we had any good outdoor pools in New Ulm growing up. So we had the Vogel Arena, which was inside, and mm-hmm. that was cool. But I put if I had to pick, I was a lake kid. I loved yeah. being out on the lake. I loved tubing any chance I could get. That was super awesome. And my dad loved to fish, so I was on lakes a lot as a kid. That's awesome. But I was kind of like a dolphin. I love the water. Yeah, me too. Next question here comes from, if we could only turn back time once to know, did you wear Jinko jeans as a kid? I was not allowed to wear Jinko jeans. Not allowed to I wear Jinko jeans. I tried and tried and tried. <sighs> I was not allowed to wear them. My mother would not buy them for me. I like that answer so much. I was not expecting you to say that. I would have worn them. I would have. I wanted she to. you'd end up in the wrong crowd of people with them Jinko uh, jeans. I guess. I don't know. They, she wouldn't let me do any of that stuff. It's all right, though. <sighs> she on, had my Drew's best mom. best interest in mind, right? Yeah, I hope. Yeah. Right? She did, obviously. I put sure did. Thought they were cool. <laughs> I, I remember having two pairs. There's no thinking. They were cool. They were so cool. Do you have like those giant ones that had like the 56 inch wide bottoms that were just like. I re- didn't have the <laughs> insanely big ones, but yeah, I did have two pairs that eventually both got just like totally thrashed. Completely because that's thrashed, what happens right. to Jinko jeans. But nope. I was forced to wear uh, loose, loose fit painter jeans because that was like the other option right the painter jeans with like the the loop on the side and the pockets on the other side oh yeah oh the painter jeans the painter jeans (laughs) uh let's see i believe this is the last one here comes from back in the day wants to know were there any bands or artists that you listened to as a kid that you were afraid to admit to back then or now I don't know if I was ever really afraid. I've just kind of always had uh, I, my musical taste is never really. I don't know. I don't know if I was really ever afraid to really. I like. So I wasn't afraid to admit it. I didn't go around freely saying that I liked sure, them. Sure. But uh, I'm. I really think NKOTB had some true slammers. So yeah, yeah. Uh, new kids on the block, holler at you because yeah. I was not afraid to listen to them. That's for sure. I had a couple of cassettes. So. Um, I think that would probably be the answer. I'm not definitely not afraid to say it now. Yeah, I don't care for at sure, all. For but, sure. uh, I think at the time, circa 1991, I don't think I was telling my uh, my second grade friends, I love new kids. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I was. 
well, we're not afraid to admit anything now. <laughs> but, truth, but, truth. Yeah, the first thing I wrote was, it's Britney, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, everyone my age in the 90s was obsessed with Britney Spears. And they were. TRL was a huge thing. So truth. you always saw Britney or Christina, all them all the time, and sync Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid to admit that I listened to some Britney, and I'd still probably jam out if I heard an old Britney song. For sure. Give me Toxic anytime. I'll listen oh, to it any day. Definitely. <laughs> music video woo. Um, <laughs> and then I wrote down Creed I remember a Christmas where I was just super excited that I got both <laughs> the Creed can you take me higher and the Red Hot Chili Peppers Californication <sighs> album in the same Christmas it was like my life was complete <laughs> yes that I enjoy Red Hot Chili Peppers but the Californication album I can never listen to again really um, a friend of mine had his license because he was a year older than us he just started school a year after than everybody else so he had his license when none of us else did and so we would ride around in his truck basically all summer and it was on repeat all summer yeah. so I cannot listen to Californication it is it's this first note of Californication or scar tissue it's click yeah oh, I just can't yep. do it skip, I skip, can't skip, skip. do it I can't do it and the last one I wrote always gets made fun of, but back in the day, I didn't see the problem, but Nickelback. I listened to Nickelback back <laughs> hey, then. You, you like what you like. You they like became, what you like. They became um, a favorite to hate. Yeah. They're multimillionaires. They've toured the world. They tour the world. Yeah. I mean, you, I can't Bring fault the them. I, I Personally, I'm not a fan of their music. I don't like Creed either, but right. it is what it is. I don't care. Do I listen to either of them now? No, but I'm not afraid to admit that I used to love them, you know? You know what's funny is Creed, I have heard on the oldie station in town. That's weird. And I'm just like, uh, what? That and uh, Push It by Salt and Pepper. I'm like, like we are like, way too old. Yeah, like I was like, five years ago, you guys were playing like doo-wop stuff, and now you're playing uh, Salt and Pepper. Like, yeah. all right, I guess that's just the, the state of the state of the world for us now. I always think of Grandma's Boy when I hear Salt and Pepper. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But that wraps up emails for us. So a reminder that next week's homework is Dumb and Dumber. Should be a lot of fun. I would assume 99.9% of people that are listening to this podcast have probably seen that movie already. But you know how amazing it is, so you're going to watch it again, just like we are. Makes sense. Um, As I said before, please make sure you guys are emailing us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework and on Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast, where Drew's going to keep you updated on everything Overdue Homework. And we said it before, but seriously, thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun. And as always, make sure you tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.